Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. Join your hosts, Mark Zylinski, Jeremy Duval, and Rob Fanouf as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm Joe Crone. I'm Tyler Countercharger Schultz. And I'm Rob Fanouf. And as you heard, we have... The countercharger himself, Tyler Schultz, who just took a brand new Empire Dust Army that he whipped out in a couple weeks and uh, placed 30 out of 60, which is pretty darn good, um, to the most recent Adepticon. And we have the man who made the models, Joe Crone. Guys, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Absolutely. I mean, I, once I got the countercharger award, I knew it would just be seconds until I was on the podcast again. So, Well, we were going to have you anyways, let's be honest. <laughs> it's good to be back. It's good to be You take a beating like nobody else. <laughs> Only in some games. In, in some games, games. Are perfectly average, as you can which, see. Which I, which I personally witnessed when I uh, came up and saw his game. You caught me at my worst moments. You, <laughs> me at my worst moments. you know, obviously, we all had different uh, Adepticon experiences. But Joe, why don't you touch a little bit? I know you live in the Chicago area, and you came over and checked it out. But kind of give us your perspective on, you know, Adepticon. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Adepticon is is a is an absolute phenomenal show, and and uh, you know, as as he, as probably people here on. Uh, your podcast, as well as uh, several others out there and YouTube channels and you name it, um, everybody would, would highly recommend going to the show. It's, it's, it's probably one of the best, if not the best, miniatures event um, on the map. Um, you know, it started out, uh, started out small, uh, being uh, simply a, a 40K tournament as part of another convention called Ides of March. And, um, you know, I, I was fortunate to be able to watch it grow uh, with my tenure at Games Workshop. Um, we worked real closely with them and built it up into its own show. And, and now, you know, going on uh, double digits uh, that it's been around. I don't know. This is probably its 12th or 13th year or something. I don't know, but maybe even longer. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really fun to go to and, and, and watch it succeed. And over to you, uh, Mr. Schultz, how, how many Adepticons has this been for you? Uh, this is my third Adepticon that I've been to. And I, I think it just gets better and better each year because each year I get to meet more and more people and I get to put my hand deeper and deeper into each pot of each game. Cause I, I feel like there's a lot of people that go there and they have one game in mind and they only talk to that one circle of people, but I'm not like that. I'm in. I've got my hand in every pot, and it just gets better and better each year because I get to learn more and more about each game and talk to more and more people. So um, this is great, and it's it's probably my my favorite, if not, I don't know, close to if not my favorite weekend of the year. Pretty much three years straight now. So yeah, I actually hadn't been since 2015, and one of the things that I, that struck me was how much more bigger it was in terms of the amount of people because I think it was in the 4,000 range. For attendees when I was there last and three years later, it's, you know, 6,000 plus crazy. It's crazy. There's no room. And I noticed as soon as I got there and there's no parking, I was like, oh, okay, this is a different animal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, compared to, uh, you know, if you were there last year, um, you know, uh, parking was a little tricky to get in and around the hotel. But this year um, we came, I came in, um, you know, with my family on Saturday and, uh, I think we drove around the parking lot for 45 minutes, went out to the uh, to Harper College, uh, 
saw that there was about I saw there was about 60 people in line out there. It was windy, it was cold. So I drove my family back, dropped them off, and then luckily it was lunchtime and I, I ended up uh stalking a, a guy out to his car and then stealing his parking space. So um <laughs> definitely was a different beast this year for sure. And I gotta say the uh, the vendor hall this year was was way better than it was last year. Um just in terms of variety, it seemed like last year there's just lots of Star Wars Legion and people just trying to push it, and all the little companies um, kind of got pushed to the side. And, and this year it seemed like I don't know, it just seemed like a breath of fresh air. Like there's a lot of a lot of new blood in there and a lot of new models and lots of cool displays. So I feel like this was a a better year than than last year too. Well, before we get into the Adepticon talk, let's just talk a little hobby. Uh, what have you been working on now, Tyler? That you finished this Empire Dust Army. What's next for you? Well, yeah, I mean that. The Empire Dust Army has taken up the large majority of my hobby time uh, until now. So now that it's uh, relatively done, I'm going to add a couple more things to it, I think. But until that happens, I'm going to be probably going back to the Rangers of Shadow Deep stuff. I have the Frostgrave Knolls kit that I'm excited to put together and paint. And then uh, I've got my Colossal Giant that is primed and ready to be painted. And he's he's calling my name. So I've, I've got to go back to my to my ogres. Ronnie will be happy to hear that. I'm going back to my Kings of War Mantic Ogres uh, and adding my, <laughs> my painted Colossal Giant to it. So uh, that, that's definitely on my immediate hobby list is, is those two. Yeah, to be fair, I got just as much from him as, as you did because uh, I played, obviously, GW Dwarves in the Vanguard tournament. So, But next year, next year I'll have Mantic Dwarves painted. So Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely called me out a lot, but uh, I, I can take it and... I, it was all in good fun. So, Joe, what have you been working on uh, in terms of the hobby lately? Well, I mean, we've been, uh, I say we in the royal sense. Uh, I've been pretty busy um, actually getting the Terracotta Army uh, prepared to run a Kickstarter. But on a, on a personal front, um, I ended up picking up a uh, Wild West Exodus posse at Adepticon. Um, so I'm kind of excited to start that. And uh I mean, I guess to be fair, you know, seeing all those uh, Kings of War armies, which there were some phenomenal armies there, uh, very well painted. Um, you know, that gets me gets the juices flowing to uh, to try to get a Kings of War army done. Well, awesome. Well, with that, let's take a quick commercial break. And on either side, we'll get into Adepticon. How do you know someone's from Yorkshire? Don't worry. They'll tell you. Just like me. I'm from Yorkshire. I'm Nick Williams. 2017 UK Clash of Kings champion. You're listening to Counter Charge. Welcome back to Counter Charge. And now let's talk all things Adepticon with my favorite Counter Charger himself, Tyler Schultz. Tyler, how are you doing? Oh man, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm still recovering from the, the madness that is Adepticon, but I'm, I'm doing pretty dang solid. Let's start with the your EOD Army project or Empire of Dust for those that, that may not be in the know. Let's start with what was in your list. Sure, yeah. So, you know, as, as most people know, Empire of Dust is typically... Egyptian, but this year I'm, I did the whole Chinese thing with the whole Watchful Eye Studio Terracotta Warriors business. Um, so, in terms of actually making my list, I had to first see the models that I wanted to bring, and then kind of figure out where they want to go into the list. So, I had a lot of help from uh, Kyle Pretzel Twinkie. <laughs> he helped me a lot with the list uh, in terms of just figuring it out, and it started off a little bit different. And then through some practice games and some some tweaking. Uh, we, we definitely came up with something that I, I was really happy with. Um, made some adjustments here and there. So I'll just run it through. Um, Adepticon was 1995, just so you know. Um, starting it off was my 
uh, skeleton spearmen. These guys are just straight up regular, just a regiment of them. And I got to say, they they performed really, really well. They they were always doing exactly what I needed them to do, which is basically just get objectives or just harass something that's way scarier than them. Uh, so in one game, you know, like they they stopped uh, Brotherhood Pegasus Knights. Another game, they stopped a Pathis. Another game, they stopped an Elf Dragon. Like they were just doing just doing great. So love the Skeleton Spearmen. Just can't be can't overlook them. Then we go into like the center of my army, which is the Revenant Horde. Um, kept these guys at defense five, and I also gave them the Brew of Sharpness because you know what's better than an anvil? An anvil that's also a hammer, <laughs> and that came up a lot too because there's often times where they couldn't quite clear something, but it's like eh, I'll just be hitting on fours instead of threes, so. Not too bad. And then when they do hit on threes, when they're on a counter charge or something, they, that's when they really shine. So big thumbs up to them. And then because it's Empire of Dust in 2019, I had to take two regiments of mummies with Mummy's Revenge. It's required by law, I think. Yeah, I mean, just listen to the counter charge episode and it's like, well, you'd be a fool not to. It's like the one thing, <laughs> that, was, yeah, the one thing they all agree on, 100%. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Devlin who's like, you know, if someone doesn't take this, it means that they're really trying to be thematic. But otherwise, I don't know why you wouldn't. And especially after playing it, it's like, I don't know why I wouldn't either. So I had one regiment that had the Blade of Slashing uh, just to get... Because especially with the, the, the high crushing strength on those guys, pretty much whatever you hit is usually going to wound. Um, so I figure getting another hit in there is, is good. And those guys perform pretty well. But my my mummies that really shined were the, uh, the regiment that had the Diadem of Dragonkind. Because then... You're breathing 10 uh, elite and vicious breath attacks before you charge in with Surge. So it's it's excellent, and they're, they're just good at projecting a little bit of threat. They're always good for a couple of wounds before they wound, and yeah. Big thumbs up to Diadem of Dragonkind on the, on the mummies. Uh, let's see. Moving onwards and upwards, we got the Enslaved Guardians. I just took one horde, and they had the Potion of the Caterpillar. These guys are amazing. Um... Now that they hit on threes, they're, they're just clutch. They, they just move in. It's like having ogres in my army. It's amazing. <laughs> Why wouldn't I want that? Uh, and they just kind of delete things, especially if they get into flanks. I had a couple of games where they just kind of kept carving through flanks, and that was a, that was a joy because you get to roll 36 dice of just pain train. It was awesome. Next up, we have the Skeleton Archer Cavalry. Uh, just a troop of them. These are my cheap chaff that go in front of my Worm Riders, which we'll get to in a second. But the... Archer Cav were pretty dang good. Um, they either served as getting in the way and then dying and freeing up a lane for my uh, heavier hitting stuff to charge through. Or in a couple games, like the, I think it was, it, it's someone that's like Pillage, but with five markers. Um, they just went over and just sat on the objective the whole time, which was great. Big thumbs up to them. They they definitely tied or won me some, well, I, mean, I guess never tied, but they definitely kept me in, a, in some games where it seemed like I was out of it. But then it's like, oh yeah, I got the uh, Archer Cat. They're, they're doing their thing. They're getting two victory points, so it's all good. Next up, we have the uh, the Revenant Worm Riders. These guys were my uh, Terracotta Warriors that ride on food dogs. Big thumbs up for the models, especially. Uh, these guys are a little, little tricksy just because it's a huge base size and they are fairly slow. So I gave them Brew of Haste just to boost them up to speed 7, which is still slower than most things. So they were pretty good. Uh, definitely not not the greatest unit in my army, just in terms of uh, functionality. But I, I play by the rule of cool, and they were the coolest models I have. So 
And then we go into the monsters. We have a scorpion husk, and he varies in, in utility. In the last game with the loot counters, he was great because he was able to vanguard up and kind of just threaten the one. Uh, and in other games, he's just kind of getting some flanks and stuff. And he he performed better than he has when I've been practicing. So when I was practicing, he seemed to always die. And then in this one, he seemed to actually be getting flanks and doing what he's supposed to do. So Scorpion Husk was pretty cool. And uh, just model-wise, he was my reanimated Foo Dog. So he was like the living lion-looking versions of Foo Dogs. And then we have the Bone Giant. Bone Giant, man, he's so good, but he's also super swingy. <laughs> uh, hitting on fours, man, you just you just never know. You know, he's got the D6 plus six attacks. And then there's one game against uh, Grace Patterson where... I think I got 11 attacks and I rolled them and I ended up hitting twice and then rolling like a one. And so he, he did like one damage with 11 dice at crushing three. <laughs> and so she just kind of looked at me and was like, I didn't, I didn't know you could do that. And I was like, I, I didn't know that either, but yeah, that's the bone giant. And then rounding out the list, I have two cursed high priests with uh, fireball and vicious, both on mounts. And then one of them has the, uh, emulate the fire heart so you can do both things one turn and that rounds out my list so i know i just talked a lot there but it was a really fun list really solid uh just everything was defense five basically except for those things that are on horses and i just kind of moved up got pretty lucky with lots of first turns and uh it was pretty great so but yeah that was my list i don't know if i would change a whole lot about it um if i was trying to be really competitive i'd probably drop the worm riders for Something else, maybe a bone dragon, but again, rule of cool trumps it. So yeah, well, let's talk about the hobby that you put into this because obviously, this is a project that you work with uh, Watchfly Studios to use their model range, and you did it in just a few weeks. So let's just why don't you just talk about first of all why were you crazy enough to try it and the process you went through uh, to make it happen, and then at the end, uh, what tips you have for working with the Terracotta Army? Totally, yeah. So on on paint all the minis, I have a. Uh, kind of a video diary sort of thing about my progress through the army. I think there's a total of four parts. Link in the show notes. So start there because that, that'll that take you from the second that I actually received the miniatures and then kind of my plans on painting them and then basing them. I think my basing video is pretty decent for how quickly I was, I was able to do it. But yeah, this this is all done within about a month and a half or so. I'm, I'm really happy with the result. And uh, in terms of like working with the models and stuff, I think they worked really well. I mean, everything fit together pretty well. Um, because they're metal, you did have to do quite a bit of bending back into position, especially with like spears and stuff, because those were all kind of bent out of shape because it's metal. Um, but then once once they were straightened out, I mean, they stayed pretty straight. Um, I don't know. There, there's not a whole lot of tips and tricks I can give. I did a lot of dry brushing because that's what terracotta looks like uh, in real life. So. A lot of dry brushing for them, and um, yeah, I, I just I just really dedicated a lot of time to it, and pretty much any time after work or something, I'd come home, work on the army, try to get it ready, and uh, I think it paid off because it, it turned out pretty great. Yeah, and you scored a 22 on paint, which I believe at Adepticon, it, the, they capped the paint score at 25. So, I mean, for the amount of effort you put in, that's a pretty good score. Oh, yeah, and, and the other thing is... It, it's not a Mantic army, so that, that probably didn't help my paint score at all. Um, oh, true. I didn't think about that because there were some points. Wasn't there some bo- bonus points for having Mantic units and armies? Yeah, and I feel like the paint judge really paid a lot more attention to the uh, the Mantic armies. And, and to be fair, it makes a lot more sense because that's where 
I mean, semantic event. And it broke it broke my heart. It broke my heart not to bring a Mantic army, but uh, this was just too cool of an opportunity. You you broke Ronnie's heart. I did, and he still gives me guff about it. <laughs> Yeah, constantly. yeah, he's he's Tr- truly, truly constant. Ronnie's out there, but always watching, always watching my every move. Well, let's talk a little bit about the venue. Obviously, you you are a veteran of Adepticon, but this is a little bit of a different event. Sixty players. Um, so let's just start with you know how how'd you find the table setups with terrain? Uh, let's see. Well, terrain wise, because last year you asked me this, and I wasn't exactly sure how to respond because it was my first event. But this time, I feel like I know a little bit more about Kings of War and how what to expect and that kind of stuff. And I talked to a lot of the Kings of War guys and it seems like the general consensus was that the terrain wasn't too bad, but it also wasn't the greatest. It seems like all the forests were really, really small. I mean, some of them, it's like you put, you put a 40 millimeter guy on it and it takes up most of the forest. So it's like, is this really a forest? Um, in terms of like table themes and stuff, I think they did a pretty good job putting lava stuff on lava stuff and, you know, elfy stuff on, Elfie train. So I thought that was pretty fun. Um, I got to play on quite a diff- quite a few different boards. So it wasn't so like I got stuck at the same table over and over. But um, I, I have heard the criticism, you know, about some of the pieces of train being too small. I think this year with jumping from 30 players to 60 players, I think that stretched the infrastructure that we have. Um, but here's what I will say. I think next year it'll be amazing. Uh, we, we got a year to plan for it. And I think we'll execute a, a, an excellent plan for next year. Yeah, and like I said, it wasn't like bad by any means. It was just uh, a couple things were could, could have been a little bit more, um, I don't know, more regular. Like some of the hills were kind of goofy shaped and, and that kind of stuff. But, you know, you play with what you got and it was, it was pretty fun. So in terms of the actual venue, uh, Adepticon's a pretty cool place. I don't know how long they're going to stay there because it seems like they keep expanding and putting more and more people in there. But uh, the room where you're in is pretty good. The My only criticism of the actual room where the where we were was uh, basically the the lighting isn't the greatest for seeing like details on miniatures, mm-hmm. especially because there's a couple sections that are just dark. Like there, there's like one section of the room that just is missing a light, and then the whole section of the 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 like entire room is just darker. Right. Um. So that I mean. It's not like the the hotel is built with wargaming in mind, but you know, if if I could be a critique, uh, I'd say that the lighting could be slightly better for for seeing miniatures. I would say though that's probably a common problem with most places that tournaments are held, right? Uh, poor lighting is a is a common problem. Yeah, it's like I, I couldn't quite tell um, how great miniatures were until I really you know got real close to them. Which I think is true of pretty much any miniature, but especially with the lighting, uh, that's my only little critique, I guess. What were your thoughts on the painting standard for the event? I was really impressed. I, I really was. I mean, I feel like everyone came out. They they took that challenge of bring a mantic army, and like almost all of them were. I noticed a, a trend in the. I don't know. It's not just Kings of War. It's in in the wargaming community that everyone seems to be going for really bright, vibrant colors. Uh, like just like almost cartoony look. Yeah, you you want it to pop so that your judge sees it from ten feet away. Right, and I I like that kind of stuff, but I also love the more muted ones that that don't get to see that. Like, I think Chris Kastner has the the perfect example of that in his army. It's just it's lots of like dark, earthy, muted tones, but it looks just as impressive as anything that's super bright and vibrant. But I think I think there's something to be said about both. So well, and I, I think honestly, earth tones are easier to paint. So. Um, I like the more realistic look of Earth Tones as well, and it's easier to paint, so that's like a double win there. 
Yeah, I mean, it must be easy. I did it in uh, just just shy of two months. So, <laughs> so any standout armies you want to mention from a modeling perspective? Uh, I like I said, Chris Kapsner's are great. Um, I got to play against Grant Fetter's army. That was really cool. Those elves on the dracons and stuff. They just they really popped, and that big uh, Oliphant from from uh, Lord of the Rings and his chariots were really cool. Mm, he did a great job. He did a great job. Uh, not just his though. I I loved uh, Jeff Swan's army because I you know a lot of these armies like I hear about them on Counter Charge and then I finally got to see them in person. So a lot of people who go to a lot of events are like, oh yeah, it's just Chris Kapsner's army. Like we've seen it before, but I've never seen it before. So when I got to see it, I was like, whoa, that's so cool. Like there's a Minotaur using a, the axle of a chariot as a hammer. It's amazing. So like little stuff like that just really made my day. Uh, and I mean, I, I can't go through the, the whole list of, of people's armies that impressed me, but there's there's a lot, really really good stuff. And I think for the most part, there's really wasn't any duds. I mean, maybe maybe two or three that were kind of like yeah, but I think the rest of them are all pretty dang great. Did you see Joshua Lafoon's army? I think he's from uh, Iowa. He's the one that had the Varanger army that was made up of the uh, Mantic Northern Alliance Vanguard models. Oh, so cool. I saw him painting the Frost Giant the day before, and I was like, this is going to be really neat. And I got to see it, and it's just awesome. I can't wait for uh, Northern Alliance to make their, their true their true stride into into uh, the rules, you know? Any other armies from a list perspective that you saw at the event that you were like, ugh, I don't want to play that? Uh, yeah, Brian Tucker and his beautiful abyssals was exactly what I didn't want to play, and that's exactly what I played in round two. And he, uh, I made one, one small mistake, and he just... Uh, crumbled my army like like dominoes it's like i let him have one flank and then i gave him every flank because once one of them goes they all just start popping but uh yeah his his models were beautiful and his uh his list was nasty so yeah thumbs up to him too yeah he's he's a good player and uh if you give him an advantage he's gonna take it so going into the event this is your second clash of kings event what were your expectations uh, well, my goal was to finish in top half, and so I got counter chargers, so I guess I got it. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you're 30 out of weird, 60. So weird time paradox where I didn't quite complete my goal, but didn't not complete my goal. So <laughs> I'm pretty happy with counter charger, and especially because now I have, you know, the counter charger award. How many people can really say that? Not many, not many. You, you know, uh, it's a very difficult award statistically to win, right? You can obviously yeah, sandbag and... and- <laughs> I'm extremely uh, average, and I'm totally fine with that. Exactly. So how did your army fare at Clash of Kings? I loved it. I, I really enjoyed playing this list. I, I think it had a lot of a lot of defense to it. Like It was really hard for things to break through unless I did something dumb. And so every once in a while, I would do something dumb, and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to get eaten alive like that game against Brian. But in other games, it's like I was just an immovable wall that just kind of moved up, did what I needed to do, and it, it performed pretty well. Uh, my only issue is that it's slow, a little bit on the slow side. Uh, like in the in my game against Grant, my last one, I couldn't quite catch his elves because they're just they're just a little bit too fast for me to like quite get to that guy who has the loot counter, you know. But uh, overall, I was really happy with the way the army played, and um, I feel like each unit, I knew what they were gonna. I knew what to expect from each unit, and they they pretty much performed it. So I was really happy with the list. You know, what were the uh, your final results? Was it two, two, and one, or two and three? Uh, it was actually two and three, but my last one, 
I still ended up with eight points out of it. Nice. So it was, it wasn't, I mean, technically scenario wise, it was a loss because I couldn't quite get to those loot counters like I alluded to. But uh, in terms of actual like playing, I, I definitely had the match all wrapped up in a bow with almost all my units alive. And it was, it was a good game. But uh, yeah, ultimately, I went uh, two and three with um, no losses that were really, truly bad, except for the game against Brian. <laughs> yeah, you played five really good people, Kyle Ritchie, Brian Tucker, Grace Patterson, Josh Weir, and Grant Fetter. So that's a pretty fun lineup. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, all my opponents were really great to play against and just a real joy, like exactly why I want to play Kings of War is for, for the people like that. You know, it's just I never had a game where I was like, you know, nail biting, just no fun, like all tension, no, no relaxation, you know, but, but I also didn't have any slouches where I was like, oh, well, I guess, I guess I'll just win this one. Like, this is a gimme. Like there's never a game like that. So, and I had a couple things go up, go my way that I was really happy about, especially uh, things like getting turn one. I feel like I got turn one in the games that I wanted to. And so it, that, that was, that was pretty good too. So what tips do you have for somebody listening to this, that's preparing to come to Clash of Kings next year? Definitely practice. Uh, because for a long time I had the list that I thought I wanted and then I kept practicing it because it's like, it, it was slightly different. Like I had Shobik instead of my bone giant and Shobik is great, but in 1995, he just couldn't quite get what I wanted him, you know, to do. He's just such a point sink at 350 points. So I would definitely say just practice, 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 and then you'll figure out what you need to do and what you need to change and what to expect from your units. Um, and I feel like that was the difference between this year and last year for sure, is that I, I went in knowing you know exactly what my spearmen are supposed to do, and they would do it. And then knowing exactly what my you know skeleton archer guys would do, and they did it. So definitely practice for sure. Hi, this is Rob Berman, and you're listening to Countercharge. So, Joe, obviously you've had a chance to head over to the Kings of War area and check out the Clash of Kings. So just give us your overall you know, uh, impression of the event. We obviously had 60 players, but your, your, your overall impression of the event, some of the armies you saw, and then let's dissect Tyler's work. How did he, you know, <laughs> how, how was his hobby? Was it, did it meet your satisfaction and his performance <laughs> on the table? Oh, boy. Okay. All right. No, no pressure there. Um, <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, um, I think, you know, I've always been a, uh, a rank and file guy. I mean, uh, going back to the, uh, you know, to the Warhammer Grand Tournaments, um, you know, I've always loved the look of um, big blocks of troops and banners waving and all that. So walking into that hall um, was was really uh, just kind of an, an awesome experience. I mean, the, the room was packed. Um which is great to see. Um, it's it's also really nice to watch uh, Mantic grow uh, over the years. Um, you know, Ronnie, the owners, uh, you know, came from Games Workshop. I, I've known him uh, since Games Workshop days, and um, you know, uh, watching watching his his company grow from you know the initial launch of the elves and the the crazy CD box uh, storage cases to uh, to what it is now is 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 really really awesome to see and you know, 60 plus players, um, and the tournament. And I think, I think they ended up saying about 80% of the armies were, were Mantic. Um, that's what keeps the hobby going. Um, you know, even though I, I have my own miniatures, uh, you know, these companies out there that write their own rules, um, and produce their own toy soldiers, um, 
you know, they wouldn't be around if people didn't support them. So I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. Even the armies that weren't Mantic there, those players have Mantic armies. So it's, you know, I, it's, I think all of the players in the community, uh, well, I'll say most of the players in the community are doing their part to try to support Mantic wherever we can. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, um, you know, what's, what's important to, um, uh, you know, to remember with all this is, is, um, you know, supporting them, supporting them is, is, is one thing. Um, but, you know, you know, showing up with that, that fully painted army and, um, you know, participating in the community, um, you know, helps, helps drive that even further. Cause that one person that, you know, may not, you know, he keeps bringing his, uh, you know, his old army out, uh, from games workshop or, or another company. Um, you know, he may change his, his tune when he sees, you know, all these, all these gorgeous mantic armies. Yeah. And also just not having to rank up a bunch of individual models. Right. I mean, it's so much easier if things are unit based. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think the, the, the design of the rules with being able to just put everything on, on a really cool scenic base, um, and have that, that I guess that flexibility to, uh, you know, if it's a 20 man unit, we, you know, you only really need to use 15, but you can do some really cool stuff on the side and, um, you know, adding some scenery bits and things of that nature um, really make make the army stand out as well. So yeah, I think it's, it's all it's all good stuff. Oh, in terms of growth, I think the the tournament was really cool, especially when they when uh, Nick Williams came up and did the the Northern Kings Award and asked all the the people who've only been to one or two events to stand up, and there was quite a few. So I think it's it's going no, nothing but up. So yeah. Big big thumbs up to the to the event this year. Oh, we'll have at least a hundred next year, uh, provided we can we can get the space. We'll we'll have a hundred. Well, and the prize the prize is definitely something to uh, to go after as well. I mean, you know, a free trip to England to play in, in their event. Um, I guess is is if you win the tournament, correct? Uh, actually, you just have to be the highest finishing Mantic army. So the guy who won it actually came in second because the guy who oh. won it didn't have a Mantic army. So oh. yeah. Well, and I think that's that's a positive. You know, that's a positive spin on basically say play with Mantic stuff, yep, right? Yep, I mean, yep. you know, I, I ran events for Games Workshop for many, many years, and we basically just had a rule that said um, if it's not Games Workshop, you can't play with it. Um, right. So, so this is really a much more positive, positive take on, um, you know, hey, if if you if you support us as a company and you're a good player. Um, you in turn will be rewarded. So I think that's cool. Using the carrot rather than the stick, right? You're incentivizing to do a, a behavior rather than beating people up that don't do it. So it, it's it's a, it's a win win. I think we're seeing some growth in that area. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, with with a price with a price that um, impressive and that like interesting, uh, I've seen a lot of other tournaments where people get real salty and they're just in it to win it and they're not there to have fun. But that's just not true of the Kings of War community. Like everyone is still just extremely fun and pleasant to play against. It's not like they're trying to win the money, trying to win the trip, you know, like everyone was just there to have a good time. So that, I think that speaks a lot about our, our awesome community as well. Joe, you, you saw the army. What'd you think of uh, his hobby talents? <laughs> I, I, I thought the army looked really cool. Um, he, he definitely, he definitely took a, a color palette um, that to be honest, I never would have thought of. I mean, I, I've seen the art that he used as his inspiration, um, but n- never, never in a million years would I have said, hey, that would have been a cool, cool concept uh, to paint the army in. And, uh, you know, I think it worked. Um, I, I think there was there was some definitely uh, some areas of, of color contrast that that's, you know, attracted the eye and kind of drew, drew you into the army. And, and uh, the basing was pretty cool. And 
Um, you know, and I, and also is, is the only one there in the tournament. So if, if for nothing else, people were probably like, what the heck is this? Yeah, we got a, I got a fair amount of people coming over just to look at it. And a lot of them would come over and say, oh, that's really cool. And then they would point at my giant and be like, hey, wait, he, he's missing a head. Do you, do, you, do you know where his head is? And I was like, ah, funny you should ask. And then I gave them the whole mythology story. Um, but yeah, that, that was pretty funny, I thought. <laughs> Yeah, and you can then you could point them to your uh, to your YouTube video as well, and they can learn learn some Chinese history. Absolutely, yeah. and to be you fair, learn you something. Yeah, and Tyler finishing thirty out of sixty is not too shabby, considering you didn't really play Empire Dust before this. No, I mean I have I have Undead, and it's a totally different beast. I mean, it some things are similar, like some of the shenanigans you can pull a surge, but most mm-hmm. of it is is a brand new thing. And I, I got to say, I actually like the Empire of Dust, the way it plays. Uh, a lot more than the undead, personally. Let's get into this and talk about the Terracotta Army. Uh, obviously, Joe, what's changed since the last time we spoke? I mean, uh, I mean, not a lot. I mean, you know, we've we've made we've made further progress, um, you know, on on the on the army itself and, and getting in, into production. And um, you know, now we felt the the timing was right um, to do something about releasing it. And you know, luckily. Um, the gentleman who does the manufacturing and selling of, uh, you know, of Watchful Eye Studio in Europe, uh, um, his name's Andy. He, he owns uh, Anstey Castings. Um, we, he was at Adepticon. He's a huge, huge saga player um, and comes every year to Adepticon and plays in all the saga events and uh, gave us an opportunity to sit down and discuss what we wanted to do. And we decided, let's do, let's do a Kickstarter, but let's let's do it. Um, let's do it in a in a more hurried pace than a traditional Kickstarter. Yeah, because that's that's one of the the big threats of Kickstarters. People hear Kickstarter and they think, oh, that's cool, but I'm all getting the stuff for you know two plus years. But uh, sounds like you guys are taking a different approach, right? Yeah, I mean, we you know we already have the entire range sculpted. Um, it's it's already at the bare minimum. It's in a 3D print format. Um, so those 3D prints need to be cleaned uh, and put into into casting. Um, I would say about 75% of the range is already in production molds uh, or very very close. So realistically, this uh, this Kickstarter is kind of a uh, a way to uh, introduce it to the to the community as a whole. Um, kind of one place to go um, and peruse it, decide if you wanted to back it. And, um, you know, we're, we're hoping to have a very, very quick turnaround. Um, and the, the campaign is only going to be 15 days. Awesome. And when's it going to start? So we are going to launch it on April 18th. And it will probably launch around 12 p.m. Uh, Central Time, um, give, give or take a few minutes. I'll actually be flying back from Toronto on the 18th. So basically, as soon as I get home, I'll, I'll hit the launch button. Awesome. And so those that haven't seen it, most of the models, I think you can see them uh, either on, uh, you know, in paint and form on uh, the Watchful Eye Studio website, or obviously, Tyler, you did a lot of videos about, you know, looking at the models, getting them cleaned up. Why don't you talk a little bit about where they can find pictures of these awesome models? Yeah, definitely. So on, on Paint All the Minis, um, you can definitely find all the links for, for all the videos because that's that's where they're hosted. So um, Paint All the Minis YouTube channel is going to have all the parts of, you know, 
taking this army from very start to very finish. So it'll show you what the models look like when they're still in metal, what they look like when they're on bases completed. So, and anywhere in between. So, um, yeah, definitely check out my video series if you're curious about more stuff. And I think Joe just put it on the Watchful Eye Studio website as well. So they're all in one place. Correct? Yeah, yeah. I just updated the website and uh, have links to all your videos so far, all three. Um, also put a link on there for the previous uh, podcast that we did uh, with Countercharge, um, I don't know, maybe about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, also put a, uh, a header up there uh, when the uh, the Kickstarter is going to take place. Yeah, it's, it's exciting, exciting times to be a, a Chinese terracotta warrior fan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they're cool models, right? And I think they're an army that can be... Um, we, we talked about this in the last time, Joe. There's a lot of different ways you can paint the army. You can paint it up quickly, right? You can paint it up traditional terracotta, or you, we talked about you could paint it up like they would have been painted when they went in the tomb, right? Where they were painted like actual people. Uh, and you could have it showing where there's like colors of paint flaking off. And the sky's the limit, really. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that you could do with this army. Yeah, I, I personally, like when, when I got them, I, I was really considering doing something really different with the bases, like doing a, like a Jade temple floor or something, you know, just my imagination was going wild. Uh, I, I did settle on kind of the, I like the, the contrast of the, the live grass versus the dead guys. But um, yeah, the sky's the limit. Honestly, you can, you could do a lot with this army. It's not limited to just the traditional look. You know, there's lots of things you could do. Is there models that we haven't seen yet, uh, Joe, that uh, like haven't been released to to, to retail. That, that's going to be part of this Kickstarter. Um, no, I mean the range. Uh, the range is pretty much sculpted, and I think uh, you know I'd have to go back and look at the website, but I think for the most part, uh, there's at least a a picture of the uh, the digital sculpt on the on the website at the bare minimum. Um, we we have had the opportunity to uh, you know to paint up a handful of units um, to kind of show. Um, show the range. Um, obviously, there's Tyler's stuff out there now too that people will take a look at. And um, you know, we may we may throw in a few surprises. Um, you know, there's a there's an 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 army standard that I would like to do where you know the 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 banner is, is sculpted onto the onto the miniature and you know do an on foot and mounted version and maybe even uh, one that you can put in a chariot. Um, that's I think that's kind of missing. Um, you know, I know as far as the uh, Empire of Dust is concerned, um, you know, there's some flyers uh, that could potentially be added. Um, so there, there's, there's definitely some room for growth. And, um, you know, something else that we're working on that hasn't had a ton of exposure is is ancient Chinese uh, scenery as well. So we'll be uh, more than likely adding that into the Kickstarter, either as a stretch goal or add on. Um, we're still kind of working out the details of, of how we want to add in the scenery. So this Kickstarter is going to go live Thursday, April 18th, and it's going to go for 15 days. I personally, I think I'm going to have to hop in just because I, I, I'd love to see some uh, some chariots into my army. I was going to ask and, you because, uh, you know, what, what kind of Empire Dust player doesn't have chariots? I mean, come apparently, on. Apparently this one. But uh, no, I, I love the look of Chinese chariots, so they're, they're pretty cool. And then, Maybe that's why you finish 30th. Yeah, maybe <laughs> that might that might be it. That might be what you've been missing. Slow, so maybe I do need a little speed, you know. Well, what other details do we not cover on the uh, Kickstarter, Joe? Yeah, I think I um, you know, ideally, as far as the the meat and potatoes of the Kickstarter, um, 
you know, the actual pledge levels themselves is pretty much going to be like what you would find in a, in a core army. So uh, infantry, cavalry, uh, chariots, um, I think the catapults, uh, the war engines are going to be um, as part of that, the pledge levels as well. Um, there'll also be some heroes in there. Um, and also the guardians of the underworld uh, will be basically part of that, the core choices that you can choose from. Um, and it's basically going to be a, a monetary contribution um that will allow you depending on your level will allow you to to kind of select from the various lists um and we're going to basically be rounding all the values um down so there's going to be some price breaks in the um uh in the purchases of of these items on the on the kickstarter um and then a couple of the higher levels uh we're looking at right now to uh incorporate uh free stretch goals so there might be one level where um, any of the heroes that open up on stretch goals, you get that you get for free. Um, and then the, the highest level uh, contribution, you basically get one of one of every stretch goal for free. Oh, that's fantastic. So all you uh, new Empire Dust players out there, it's just around the corner. I guess, Tyler, why don't you uh, wrap us up a little bit by sharing with the listeners all the ways they can follow the adventures of Tyler Schultz. So obviously, um, if you want to check out more about the Terracotta Army, the best place to go is Watchful Eye Studio, which I'm sure Joe's going to plug here in a second. But that's the easiest place to find uh, my progress through that. But if you want to follow anything else I'm doing outside of this, um, uh, make sure you subscribe to Paint All the Minis. Uh, We have a lot of content, not just Kings of War, not just me. There's lots of content producers. So if you're interested in in, uh, historicals or sci-fi or Star Wars Legion or, you know, whatever else, like we're covering it. So um that's that's a good hub and then Dreadpath zone my old standby um i'll be doing more stuff on there some more battle reports especially for the mantic warpath universe kind of stuff so you know dead zone and warpath and Dreadpath and that stuff so uh those are the best places to reach me always always feel free to come to me on facebook and message me and ask me about whatever uh because i just i love interacting with people so that's that's the easiest place to find me so i'm done done plugging and joe how about you obviously the website's watchful facebook is facebook.com slash watchful studio twitter is just twitter.com slash watchful studio uh, what other places can people follow you uh yeah i just i just uh just started an instagram channel Excellent. Um, so I think I think the first picture up there was actually the picture of the Kickstarter. So um, if you look for uh, Watchful, the letter I studio on Instagram, um, that's another place that I will someday be adding more content uh, once I kind of figure out um, how it works. Um, so I'm kind of a caveman when it comes to Instagram, but I'll, I'll I'll figure it out eventually. Yeah. And I and I think uh, I think. You know, paint all the minis is going to be an area that I'm going to be hanging out at, um, whether it's uh, painting up um, more Watchful Eye Studio stuff or working on other projects. But uh, I think uh, the idea of um, uh, of it being a fan uh, contribution site um, and YouTube channel is, is really, really cool. So I want to I want to contribute to that. Um, and uh, I do have my own YouTube channel. Um but uh, I'm still learning kind of how to make videos. So that'll be, that'll be something coming down the pipeline as well. I want to do a lot of uh, how to videos um, for our miniatures. Fortunately, you, you've kind of uh, got a connection with a YouTube superstar. <laughs> That's uh, right. I, I didn't know he knew Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously an army's never done. So Joe, what's the future after this Kickstarter? Where do you see this terracotta army going down the road? 
Interestingly enough, you know, most of the range will come out in metal. Um, some of the bigger pieces will probably come out in resin. But I would absolutely love to be able to go back, uh, revisit it, and do kind of the core elements in plastic. Um, I think that would be something phenomenal. Um, unfortunately, I probably would have to source them uh, outside of China because they are considered a, a national treasure. Um, so I wouldn't be able to actually have those uh, produced in plastic in China. But, uh, um, you know, it's definitely something to consider in the future. Well, final thoughts, guys? I don't have a whole lot. Make sure you go to Adepticon 2020. Uh, I'm, I'll am i be there. And uh, I, I'm just uh, really happy you had me back on to, to yak and talk about my countercharginess. I'm, I'm all good. I think, uh, you know, regardless of what your what your flavor or style is out there, I think the wargaming uh, miniature industry is is phenomenal. So uh, stay in it as long as you can and uh, never, never grow up and keep playing with toys. Those are great words to take us out. And until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 